Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome, my friends. It is that time of the week. I know. Ask yourself, is this not the time of the week you've anxiously been awaiting? The time when you get to hear all the latest in the top college football and, most importantly, what's happening in the great game of politics and what's happening in our world. Of course you are. It's What's Your Point? We are here every Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 5 at this particular time, Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we are live at Cutter Cigar Emporium on Windward Parkway in beautiful Atlanta today in Alpharetta, which is north of the perimeter, north of Atlanta, about 20 minutes. Kind of a partly cloudy day, about 65 degrees out there. People are sitting out. It's a little chilly outside. I, they were. They I didn't wear socks today, I could tell. Well, I, yeah, I know. I, I, socks is like the last day. It'll be February before I resign myself to the fact that I have to wear socks. I hate socks. I, I'm, I'm that way with, I, I've become a flip-flop kind of guy and yeah. got to have my flip-flops. I can't wear those this time of year. It's kind of rough. But anyway, sitting across from me, as he usually is, it is Mark the Greek Anthony and uh, better known as Fredo. But I've known him for so many years as Mark the Greek Anthony. But uh, Mark Fredo is right across from me. And uh, this is, you know, there is so <laughs> man, Greek. I mean, we'll get to San Bernardino because really last week we actually were reporting it as it was happening. Yeah, it broke like, like literally like 15 minutes before we went on the air. Yeah, it was it was craziness, and we're gonna we're gonna get into that pretty in depth. But of course, as the football college football season winds up, we're gonna we're gonna start off this week one probably the last time we start off with college football going into uh, this particular weekend. Greek, any surprises for you this weekend in college football? No. Some uh, great games. I, I really expected Michigan State to beat Iowa. Um, the game came right down to three points where the line was, uh, three, three and a half. And uh, I think, you know, Clemson pulled it out in the in the fourth quarter against North Carolina. And North Carolina had a great season. I don't want to take anything away from the year they had. Um, and then in the SEC, Alabama just wore out Florida. And uh, the thing that still puzzles me a little bit maybe not puzzles but the question still remains for me when you look back on the sec as a whole this year you have to kind of ask yourself how good it is or how good it was because if you take away Ole miss who beat alabama who did alabama really beat yeah. I, the, the the next best team that they beat was probably lsu who had a disappointing year after that georgia who had a very disappointing year It'll be a great game to watch Alabama play Michigan State because they're two of the coaches. Coaching-wise, I admire Nick Saban. Personality-wise, not so much. Mark D'Antonio, to me, is much more the whole package. Good guy, great coach. And that team doesn't quit. If anybody watched that game against Iowa in the fourth quarter, to take nine minutes and four seconds off the clock in a 22-play drive and go 82 yards, that team is always up for big games and it's going to be a war when they play Alabama oh it'll be a great game I, I think that'll be the marquee game of the of the top four well uh, we were just saying before we went on the air Las Vegas isn't giving a whole lot of love to Clemson they have Oklahoma as a three and a half point favorite against an undefeated team uh, I think the matchup that that the networks would love to see would be the Oklahoma Alabama matchup I'm not so sure that they might not wind up with a Michigan State-Clemson matchup. 
you, you can't take a lot away from Clemson. You know, they, they, they did beat some good teams this oh, year. Oh, they did. I mean, listen, and, and we were talking before the show about the fact that Notre Dame should have beat Clemson. They didn't. I mean, you had two drives on the two-yard line, long, long drives. They fumbled the ball away, and, and Clemson got the ball back and stopped two excellent drives that would have it should have been 14 points, if nothing else, at least six, and that would have been all they needed to win. And so uh, then they played, uh, go out to Stanford, play at Stanford, very tough game. They were leading with 30 seconds left, and a stupid, a stupid face mask penalty that was ridiculous as the guy's falling away. They got him fourth and forever. Instead, it's first, and uh, they only needed to get 25 yards with uh, 20 seconds left and a couple of timeouts, and they did what they needed to do. That's the difference between being in the top four and not being in the top four. That's going to probably be the marquee January 1st game is Ohio State-Notre Dame. Two huge fan bases. Um, yes. It's going to be um, a network bonanza. And correct me if I'm wrong because you follow Notre Dame a lot closer than I have. I don't recall Notre Dame and Ohio State having played each other very much in the past. No, not in the past. It's been a long, long time. And uh, that's going to be an incredible matchup. Uh, Vegas currently has the game at Ohio State minus 6.5. Uh, the other January 1st games, and we'll talk a little bit about this while we're on this just quickly this morning or uh, this afternoon. New Year's Day lost a lot of the luster, I think. There, there, was, uh, there was something very, uh, I don't know, unique about New Year's Day growing up because by the end of the day, you knew who the national champion was going to be. Mm-hmm. All the big games were played on the same day. Now you've got them stretched out now over about a 10-day window, and it's, it, to me, at least, it's just not the same. New Year's Day, for me, Used to be, I, I didn't sleep. I mean, I would stay up New Year's Eve. I'd be up with, with doing whatever I would do. I'd be done by like 6, 7.30 in the morning. It wasn't, I, I maybe lay down and close my eyes for an hour or two. And then I'd be busy all the way through to, you know, 8 o'clock that night. Uh, it's, it's not that way anymore. But, but that's going to be a great game. I think the Rose Bowl, Iowa, and Stanford should be a pretty good oh, matchup. Pretty closely matched game. teams. Um, Michigan, Florida. Uh, they've got good fan bases. I, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know that you're seeing two great teams play there, but but that should be a pretty good game. But uh, you know, having these these playoff games on New Year's Eve really really takes a lot away from New Year's Day, and 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 I think it's a gamble. Yeah, we'll see how it how it plays out. But you know, the NCAA they they're holding steadfast in saying that they believe it's going to change the dynamic of New Year's Eve. It's going to change the way people celebrate New Year's. Um, that they're wherever they go, they're going to go someplace where they have a television set. And I was talking to some of the people, because I was at the Michigan State alumni party when they were when they, in, in, for the Big uh, Ten Championship. I'm, un, uh, I'm undefeated. I'm their good luck charm, by the way. I wear, as a matter of fact, I wear this shirt. T- t- I think now that, that I'm 5-0 and when I'm watching games with them. But uh, they, they were, uh, from talking to some of the people my age, maybe a little bit older, even a few people a little bit younger, they were saying that New Year's Eve isn't the same as it was 20 years ago. People don't, generally go out to the big parties anymore people are staying closer to home or they're going to a friend's house and having a dinner party or something like that so it the the ncaa might be right Uh, people might already be in front of a television set well and and i think too i think the duis have been huge yeah it's 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 totally changed the dynamic of new year's eve parties i agree um i think people are much more cognizant which is a good thing it's um, going to be interesting to see probably some of the more crowded places in Atlanta on New Year's Eve are going to be sports bars and, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the big, uh, like, the uh, Jocks and Jills and places like that. You're not going to see maybe the big crowds that they used to have at the uh, hotel ballrooms. 
Well, it's going to be interesting, but I was not surprised. The only surprise I had uh, was that um, I thought – I did not think Iowa was really that good because they really hadn't played anybody. <laughs> Michigan State – had to do everything they could do to win that game. Yeah, and Iowa's defense really, really surprised me. They impressed me. They did. I mean, they were much better than I thought they were. Uh, so, for that end, um, my hat's off to Michigan State. I mean, you can say what you want to. That game against Michigan was a fluke. They should have lost that game. But you know what? Every team that wins a national championship has one or two yep. situations during the course of the year where they have lady luck on their side. That's what it takes. It, That's it, what it, it takes. Does. It takes – Injury-free for the most part, and a little luck. I, that's the that's what it takes. And I think in Michigan State's case, they um, let me tell you something, man. They uh, they 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 were in the right place at the right time. Ran it in, won the game, and then they had to run off all that clock. They did what they needed to do, and they won the game. I want to give a shout out to uh, Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh has done a great job up in Michigan. Yeah, I they'll turn that thrilled. program around. It's oh, it's, yeah. it's still a, a great great athletic program his uh, first they're year. gonna have a, a, a great recruiting year uh, oh yeah oh yeah he he's i mean who wouldn't want jim harbaugh sitting in their living room trying to convince them to bring uh, some rumors that his brother may go to southern cal oh wow Ooh. you know he's because he, he's definitely on the hot seat in baltimore right yeah. now so yeah. would, would that be um would that be something um i'm not so sure that southern cal may not look to the pro ranks to bring a coach in so, so that that could be a legitimate uh, sure. rumor. I was very happy to see Mark Richt. We talked about this beforehand. I suggested from the get-go. I thought Florida, uh, Miami would be a great place for him, a great fit. And as it turned out, it was. The grass didn't grow too far under his feet. No. And he was. Uh, I mean, it's a great fit for him. Well, it, it's where he played his college ball. Uh, it's a program that needs some help. It's a program that needs somebody with a reputation. A good reputation. Right. Exactly. Not a sorted. You know, the, and, and Rick will bring wins down there. And well, he's going to change how they recruit. Yes, absolutely. He's going to change how they recruit. They're not going to be able to recruit um, from some of the same places where they've, they've pulled talent from before. At least I don't think that's how he'll do it. And he'll be able to reach into the, to, to some of the Southeastern Conference strongholds and, and bring yep. some players down there. Um, well, that number one recruit that he had coming He's to going Georgia. to Georgia. He signed today. Oh, did he? Yeah, Eason, the quarterback. Yeah, I just saw a story before we went on the air uh, that he did sign with Georgia. So, um, I, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I'm. In, it's going to be interesting to see how what effect this has on Alabama with Kirby Smart having this 10, 12-day window mm-hmm. to take care of things at Georgia before going back to Alabama and getting ready for the, the playoff game. I wonder if that's going to have a negative effect on Alabama's preparation. But here, you know, one of the things that you have to worry about when you hire a coordinator like that, especially when they come from a program that has such a strong personality for a head coach, Mm -hmm. you wonder how much of their success has been because of the defensive coordinator or how much of it is really just Nick Saban telling these guys this is the way we're going to do it, and then they're just carrying it out. Um, I was a little – I was a little um, disappointed that they hired a coordinator and didn't go for a head coach. I was surprised, and so quickly. Yeah, well, that that leads me to believe that this was in the works for quite a while, and I, I think he was probably put on notice after the Tennessee game. Yeah. And um, then when, when the, the debacle that was the Florida game was, was it, and they, they oh, that was reached out to Kirby Smart probably. I think they may have even, through some back channels, have been talking to Kirby Smart even 
after the Alabama game, perhaps. Yeah, because that's not a decision you make in a couple of days. No, and 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 to put a package like that together for a modern, you know, big time college program, yeah. that takes a lot of negotiating. Yeah, so I I think you're absolutely right. Four million dollars a year, and he gets an eighteen hundred dollar a month car allowance. I mean, you're making four million dollars a year, and you can't buy your own car. But you know that. That's well, you know how is. that goes. Whether they whether he pays for it or they. Well, he'll probably get free cars on yep, top of that. The, the eighteen hundred will go to pay for his wife and his kids' yep, cars, and yep. then he'll drive something that a sponsor is. is That's paying, right. Paying How many for. times did uh, was that the, the big thing oh. at, at our old station? Okay, first thing you got to do is you got to get these guys their cars. You yeah. got to get their cars. And then and some of the guys don't want to drive the cars you get to them. Yeah. I remember one of the talents at the station you're talking about didn't want to drive a Hyundai, even though they, he was going to get a free Hyundai. He didn't want to be seen in a Hyundai. So you know, but. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, but, uh, of course, nothing is as interesting as what's happened in the last week since we've been on the air. Yeah. San Bernardino <laughs> will be etched in our minds forever, really. Well, um, it's uh, it's a terrible tragedy, but and, and that's not what you, the smirk you have on, that I have on my face right now. The, the thing that I, I am smirking about is this feckless leader we have in the White House who, uh, as he's going around telling everybody, that Republicans shouldn't be cowards and fear women and children. We have a female assassin, a terrorist, who, you know, it, it's, 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 very, it, it's very telling as to where his mindset is and, and to not understand the threat that's out there now. Well, I think basically what we found is we found that his ideology trumps American security, uh, the Constitution, the government, the the... American people, his ideology trumps all those things, and he truly is a guy who seeped in his ideology first, everything else second. And I think that, I mean, it... Well, the ideology part really is... Terrorism be damned, the more more important thing is to get uh, a hold of our guns. You know, that that was was what, what he took away from this situation from the very beginning, that it was a gun issue. And then, of course, everything just unraveled around him that this was an obviously well thought out, well planned. Uh, uh, looking at the stories today, they're they're finding more and more out about these people and the mother. The the, the oh yeah, the, she had all the kinds husband's of stuff mother, in her car. Um, that that these people, the, the twenty eight thousand dollar loan that they took out to, to to buy a lot of this, the equipment to make those pipe bombs, that to stick hit your head in the sand and and only go out and give us a scolding about our guns just shows how completely detached he is from reality. If he thinks for a minute that Americans are going to give away, walk away from our guns with this type of a problem now on our soil, he's crazy. Well, another thing that got to me, it really got to me, was the lecture he gave the American people about being tolerant of others. This country is as tolerant a country as exists in our modern-day society. It has been. Yes, we've had issues. We've had race issues. We still do. We've had uh, uh, issues with different, I mean, no different than FDR, of course, who was held up in the highest esteem. But FDR, I mean, you look at what he did. You look at, you know, you look at what he did when we got into World War II after Pearl Harbor. Now, nobody wants to talk. You never hear the mainstream media nor... Democrats, and especially liberal Democrats, who, who always love to hold up FDR as a great society and you know, all the great things he did. But what he did was 
he also understood that safety of America came first. Yeah, the old so, uh, adage that the Constitution is not a suicide pact. That's exact. That's a great line. I had not heard that one. But what did he do? He rounded them up. You know, they said, well, you can't round people up. You can't round up these illegals. But he rounded up the Italians, he rounded up the Germans, and he rounded up the Japanese. Why? More so with the Japanese and on the, the West and, Coast. And but, the but there were but there were de- detention camps for Germans and Italians. Yeah. I, in fact, I think that the Italian camp was some obscure place like, like Montana. Well, and, and because he realized, he realized that, first of all, you talk about shutting down the borders. I tried to look up the number of German, Italian, and Japanese immigrants from 1941 to 1945. Can't find a number. No. The only number I heard was none to zero to, uh, uh, well, they don't really show a number, which goes There's to show. There's a lot of Germans on 46. Yeah, I mean, I mean. <laughs> they could build why, a rocket. I mean, exactly. Why would you, why would you in good common sense, when you know that these people want to kill you and destroy your country, why in the world would well, you open your borders to especially, them and welcome them in? Especially when you're, they're coming from a place that has not, doesn't have a great reputation for record keeping. Right. Uh, there, there's not really, there, these people aren't immigrating from a place like, like Great Britain or France where you can know everything they're, they're about their background. These people are coming with, with no background. And for, for the sake of security, it's, it's ludicrous to think that, well, it's not when you look at his mindset. His the mindset ideology. Is, is ideology trumps practicality every time, and he wants to shove it in people's faces. Let's, let's, let's call, at this point, I think we have to call it what it is. Well, see, and that's the problem. Nobody wants to say it because, God forbid, we become xenophobic. And, and, and or let's we get don't tagged let, with that. And look at what that cost us. But let's not lay it all at his feet either. We've got no. somebody waiting in the wings with the Democratic Party that is bought and paid for by these people. If you think there's going to be a change when Hillary gets elected, you're sadly mistaken because they own her. Right. They own her, and she will do their bidding. It, th- we will see a continuation of this, if not an escalation of it. Well, you know, they all. The, you hear about. And people. you talk about a gun grabber. You talk about PC. You know, you hear people talk about PC all the time. PC this, I hate PC. I, but it never really struck home. PC literally cost us lives this time because the, the neighbors recognized that this was going on, that it, late at night, at midnight, boxes were being shoveled out by Middle Eastern-looking men into the garage before this incident happened. And when they asked why didn't she say anything, she said, well, I just didn't want to be one of those people that's looked upon as, as being basically xenophobic. So if she had done the right thing, if she had not worried about PC, she would have called police. Now, would that have necessarily opened it up? Probably. I don't see how it wouldn't have. Um, but once again, you would have been counting on the, the uh, local police to get involved. And well, we are trying to nationalize, this current administration is trying to nationalize and neuter local police. And so I think, though, they would, have, they would have followed up, and I think we would have seen something that may have prevented it. Maybe, maybe not. But the thing that scares me is the mere fact that the lady said, well, I just didn't want to be the one. I just didn't want to be I, the one that's identified as, as, as not being tolerant i think a lot of people would be in the same position as she would be though i think there are a lot of people that would be hesitant to come forward and that's the, that's because the, what if nothing is done about it then, then well, you're the neighbor on the street 
that caused a problem for somebody that could seek retribution against you. Well, and the thing is, though, this is this is the evilness of PC, political correctness. Because you look at the college campuses. I mean, it's the same thing. Political correctness is nothing more than you agree with the left wing of the liberals and the Democrats. You either agree with them or you are incorrect. You are wrong, whether it's whether you have differing opinions on homosexuality, marriage, it's, it's, uh, it, uh, whether you have dis whether you think uh, on race, whatever it is. If you don't agree with the left left wing, if you don't agree with their ideology, then you are tarred and feathered in the marketplace. And it's not only tarred and it's tarred and feathered across the board. The media gets a hold of it. They tar and feather you. So it makes it extremely difficult when, and, and, and because of that, this is the problem we're in now. People don't, are afraid to say something. Well, you have a problem on the left with um, what I would call basically, it, 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 fascism can take many forms, but in, in this situation, it's more of, an, of a methodology, not an ideology. And it's, uh, th there is no, the tolerant left is the most intolerant segment of the on oh. the political sphere that that uh, we have in this country right now it's as you were just saying it's we're tolerant as long as you adhere to our beliefs uh, if you don't then we're intolerant towards you and and they paint and they've been fairly successful at this oh they've been painting very successful. people as being homophobes xenophobes if you don't agree with with their philosophy and they're very rigid they're they're, they're very uncompromising and they've had success with that 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 game plan well, and exactly, and there are no consequences for their actions, so the actions continue. That's one of my undeniable truths of life. And it emboldens them more and more and more, and it started out with just particular issues, and then it became, uh, it, it went from a particular local issue to uh, police brutality to uh, you, you know, well, since... The police are taking a big hit for what happened in Ferguson. Uh, then, you know, then it's okay. Well, why don't we take why don't we take it even further? Why don't we start tearing down what is marriage? I mean, it just goes on and on. And the more they're emboldened and they get away with it, the more and more strength they gather. And the media is as guilty, if not more so, than everybody else. Because if the media was truly doing their job. Like the first thing we saw, we talked about it when this incident in San Bernardino happened. The first thing we saw, three white males. Yeah. It was a in uh, camouflage. It, it was a French publication that first put the guy's name out there. Uh, when 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 they American media was was holding back the name, and the name had been had been I guess transmitted a, across police bands or something like it that. It had been. And I the French heard. were reporting it. Yeah, and I and I actually heard, and I heard Fox. Reporters say, well, I had this name four hours ago. I heard, <coughs> I heard other reporters saying they had this. But they didn't want to cause any undue um, problems or issues. What happened to reporting? If you know the name, you need to report the name. You know, but no, we want to be politically safe. Like it was not going to come out anyway? Well, they, I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to hold off as long as possible to try to be able to paint this as a, as a workplace uh, violent type act you know oh yeah he happens to be muslim but it, it all centered around some type of an argument that he was having at at his workplace 
And of course, and that all kind of fell, fell apart. apart too. It, it, well, it fell apart within hours. Yeah, but they were trying desperately to cling on to this. Well, it isn't terrorism. It isn't Muslim terrorism. Well, because it, it came on the heels of this this movement that they have right now to, to paint Americans as xenophobes for not wanting these people to come into the country. And then we find out that the wife was the one that was more radicalized, and she is the one that came into the country from Saudi Arabia. Imagine that. Pakistan. Well, pa- she's a Pakistani yeah, who came through right. Saudi Arabia. But... Um, the, the whole the whole their their whole scenario just blew up in their face everything that they're telling us that we were stupid to be fearful of turned out or played out to be exactly what we have reason to be fearful of and so when the president had an opportunity on sunday to bring it together and bring americans together all we heard was well you know let's not let's not condemn all muslims because that's not the american way and i'm like why are you lecturing us? The American people have never said all Muslims are bad. There hasn't been one American I've ever met that has said all Muslims are bad. There has never been a hint. In fact, the, the latest statistics show that of the, of the uh, and I think the latest statistics were as of 2014, but there were some 6,000 uh, violent acts perpetrated that were considered racial acts and whatever. 57% of them were against who? Jews. And why do you think that is? And 16% were against Muslims. And what you what you begin to see here is it's not the American people that are saying these things, but as a Jewish American, I would be offended to to get a lecture on your intolerance and how you can't afford to be intolerant because that's not the American way. It's not about if you aren't intolerant to fundamental Muslim radicalism, then shame on you. Because you can go back to the, I looked up the 1952 Immigration and Naturalization Act. Because Donald Trump was getting absolutely slammed because he said, let's slow down, let's stop the process right now. But that's all they reported. Then you go on to read the rest of what he said, and he said time and again, which was very rarely reported, no matter how many times he said it, we need to get a better vetting system before we open the doors to bringing in more. Now, who in their right mind would not agree with that? Well, Hillary wouldn't agree with it. Um, our Republicans, rhinos wouldn't agree with it because they're jumping on board to try to pound Trump. You've got all these people, and what Trump was saying was no different than if you look up the, I think it's uh, Section 10 of the Immigration Nationalization Act of 1952. They're very explicit about who can and cannot come into this country. And one of them was you have to, because at the time, you've got to remember the time they were looking for communists. And there there was a whole big thing that's still in play today about warning you about communists, warning you about basically what it said was, if you want to fundamentally change this country, if you want to tear down this country, if you want to cause harm in this country, if you want, and they list, and you know what? If you do, then you are not welcome in this country. So all Trump did was regurgitate the 1952 Immigration Naturalization Act that is still in power today. 
what he's doing was not wrong, and I've had plenty well, That to goes say. back even further than the 50s, though. That goes back to the 1700s with sedition. That, that, yes. That, that when we were a young country, we had a great fear of being overtaken by... Spies. And right, from, from other countries that would infiltrate the country right. and, and, and do their the bidding of another nation. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Jimmy Carter stopped Iranian immigration. Oh, yeah, 50,000. I mean, so it's interesting to see the media spin on this. They forget Jimmy Carter. They forget FDR. They forget back in the 1700s. They forget all these times when we had to take tough stands because my, my point is this. People have fundamentally forgotten what immigration is. Immigration is, was never established in this country at any time to open up its borders to let anybody who comes in to come in. That was never what immigration was, and even the 1924 Immigration Act, the reason they established numbers was because they had to get some kind of control, because they, they, they had opened up the markets and they needed people, so they took as many as they could to meet the needs of the country. And these people came in willingly, got better lives for the most part, assimilated because they were coming to America for multitudinous reasons besides work. They wanted assimilation. They wanted to be Americans. Well, it, it, at no point in our history w until the very recent past has immigration been a means to support other people from other countries. That's not they it. they That's came right. here to support themselves and to better the nation. We have a group of, and it's been going on now for over 20 years, of people who come here just because of the benefits. That's exactly and, and, right. And if you look at what's going on in Europe, where upwards of 70% of these Muslim uh, immigrants are on welfare in places like Great Britain and France. Uh, is, is it going to be any different when they come here? Of course not. They're going to break the system. And, and, and that's one of their, I, I would think that's probably one of their game plans. Well, of it, course it's, it it's, is. it's not only done with bombs and bullets, but it's done by, by destroying the system from within. And if you look at the ideology, it was most of these ideologies, especially in the Muslim faith, it's not something that's going to happen overnight. They look long, long, that, long term. That's, that's a great point because and this has been going on now for well over a thousand years. And, and they don't care. They will take as much time as they need. They will move just as fast as they can get away with because the, the stats are mind-numbing. I mean, you know, the average immigrant, illegal immigrant that's coming in and legal immigrant, they're reproducing two and a half, three and a half, sometimes four times as many as American citizens are reproducing because well, and even in places like France where they have a negative growth rate among the indigenous population they're just being swamped and eventually what happens and don't believe and this that, that's kind of what happened in, in uh, during the first Moorish incursions that that they that they that they out reproduced the people that were indigenous to those areas and, and within I think a hundred years of Muhammad's death they had taken over vast regions of, of, of Spain and Portugal and southern France. Uh, they, had get, they, they, were into the, um, they were well into Sicily. They were well into Italy. They had taken over North Africa. Uh, and and, and this, is, <laughs> this is not a new problem. We tend to think in very small time right. frames. This has been going on since the ninth century. If you don't learn from history, you fail to repeat it. And we're not learning anything under this ideology ideological administration because and and another thing too that fits hand in hand with this while we're getting lectured about tolerance 
when we're getting told that Americans need to be more understanding, we need to have more concern, we need to have more care, we got to be careful how we call these things out. When 57 percent of the race crimes reported in the United States were against Jews. Have you heard this administration one time? One time, and I look back. I look back as much as I could Google it, because you know I love to research. I went back to find out if there has ever been a speech against Muslims, against Jews. Never has this administration ever taken a stand. In fact, what happened in Israel between the, the Israelis and the Palestinians were, guess what? The Palestinians invade into Israel, kill some Israelis, and what does our administration say? We got both sides are wrong. Yep. You know, we got to have more tolerance. Not more tolerance for the Jews, more tolerance and understanding for the Palestinians. Are you kidding me? But this, and then now we're getting lectured within days after our people are butchered in the at a, Now, they called it a holiday party. Okay, boils down to it was a Christmas slash Hanukkah party. Now, I know that's offensive to, to some to, to say that, but that's what it was. A holiday party is a Christmas or a Hanukkah party. Okay, that's what it was. But we once again, we covered up what it was. It was a gathering. It, first, it was a workplace gathering. They and had then some it was type of awards bank celebration, too. Then, I know one of the victims had just been given the Employee of the Year Award before and, he was killed. And it was, it was, it was a party. First, it was a workplace incident. Then it was a, a workplace incident at a party. And then they realized it was a holiday party. Well, we can't say Christmas party, so it's going to be a holiday party. So once again, the PC police cover it all up because at the end of the day, the pattern is absolutely clear. And when Donald Trump, and, and you can go back and listen to any of our shows, we have been as hard on Donald Trump as probably any commentators have been on the guy unless it's Karl Rove or someone from the Rhinos. But we've been very, very, there are times when he's come up with some good ideas, times where he's come up with not so good ideas. And with him, it's always his brashness is what gets him into trouble because some of his ideas are very good, but when you present him the way he does, but that's his style. I'm not here to argue style I'm because really, I'm tired of style. I'm, well, style is what got elected this administration. It's never been about substance. And the substance of what he has said was immigration was a huge problem. He said that back in June, got pilloried for it. And, yes, immigration is a serious problem, as we're finding out more and more. Illegal immigration or immigration, period. And then this comes up, and he says, whoa, let's just stop allowing Muslims into this country until we can sit down and vet them more properly. Well, the vetting system obviously broke down. What about our data mining? What about our phone taps? All these things. There were numerous reports, which we, in hindsight, have that we didn't have and why we didn't jump on the bandwagon and say these must have been right-wing extremists that, that did this or Christians that did this because if you look, if you, if you get right down to it, we waited and we waited because we knew, we knew there was much more to the story. So it was easy to prognosticate from the little bits of tidbits that we were having last Wednesday. But we, re we restrained ourselves and we refrained from jumping on the three white guy thing and everything else. Now we're finding out that the restraint was, was always the right thing to do. And in hindsight, we find out this guy had been on Facebook, 
This guy had been on social media talking about it. The FBI is investigating right now if uh, whether or not the entire marriage was an, an arrangement by a terror group. And there was, I mean, there was multitudinous trips back to Saudi Arabia, to Pakistan. I mean, how many more, how many more warning signals do you need to be? How many more do you have to have? I mean, if this didn't get it, that means our system is really broke. Because this guy, this isn't just something he woke up and said, you know what, I'm just sick of it. There was an article written in an Italian newspaper where they interviewed the father, Fruk Sr. or whatever. And he said, well, my son has always had this thing about Jews. He, uh, he always had this thing about hating Jews and that the Jews were. But he said, I told them, don't worry, in a couple of years, the Jews will be relegated to Ukraine. He told his, he told his son, don't worry about the Jews because in the next two years, because of everything that's happening politically, they're irrelevant. They're going to be forced to go to the Ukraine. We're going to have what we want anyway, so don't worry about the Jews. He actually was quoted as saying that in an Italian newspaper. I mean, my God, what? I don't know. I don't know what more a person can do. I don't know what. At, at some point, you have to just uh, admit the fact that we have an administration playing for the other team. Well, and, and I'm going and, to say and, it, and, and I've said and, it before. And not, and not apologize for it. And they're, and they're not apologizing for it. Oh, yeah. You, they're laughing about it. In fact, You've got you've got ISIS saying, of course we're going to send our people in with Syrian refugees. Yeah. They actually said it. They said, of course we're going to do it. And so what do we do? We want to bring in more Syrian refugees. And then what really kills me is what it boils down to, and you show me, and I ask anybody to, to text in and tell me where I'm wrong, this administration is anti-Semitic. I have seen nothing, not a thing to suggest I've, I've often said that about the entire Democratic Party. I don't know why they vote in such massive or such overwhelming majorities for Democrats year in and year out. I, well, I, I believe that's the case with the Democratic Party. It certainly goes back at least as far as Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter spent his entire life hating Jews. And here's the thing that gets me, though. Why, why are we afraid to say it? If it is what it is, I'm not afraid pig, to say it. whether you put <laughs> lipstick on the pig or not, is still a pig. I describe myself as a Zionist, and I'm proud of it. You I, know what? I, I have great respect and admiration for the Jewish culture. I have friends of mine who are Muslim that are, that are aghast at what's happening. I have respect for them as individuals. The religion is a, a fairly violent religion. It, um, but, but the thing that gets me is we are, not, we are not saying that you don't allow any Muslims in. You're saying until we can figure out a way to find out which ones are the ones that are going to come into this country for the reason immigration was established in this country to begin with, until, especially now when you know. I mean, how many, if you look, it's, it's less than 4% of refugees that come in from the Middle East have been Christian. Now, how many of those have been, well, how many Christians are you worried about strapping up or picking up an, uh, an M16 or an AK-47 and wiping people out? How many Christians have done that? Well, I think the problem would be if you're if you're keeping Muslims out, how how do you go about guaranteeing someone is or isn't a Muslim? They they're right. they're not they're not opposed to lying to get in. No. So I think the moratorium has to be based on more geography than anything else and and just uh first of all we have to decide are we really at war or are we not at war? And we talked about this a little bit last week. And this is where Congress needs to step up. 
Congress needs to come up with some type of, of a declaration, a specific declaration that we are currently engaged in a conflict with a regional problem and then address that region to where we ban people from that region from coming in. Now, will that uh, preclude Muslims from places like uh, the islands from getting in? We've had, we've had problems in places like the Philippines where they've had Muslim incursions. So you're not going to stop all of them, but let's no. face it, the vast majority are coming from a, a particular region where there's a huge problem. Stop them regionally and then address the problem from within because uh, my biggest fear right now isn't just the ones that are going to be coming in from this day forward, but we have the problem with the ones that are already here. Right. We've and got over 900 ongoing investigations of just the ones that are here. And, uh, you know, th this, uh, the, the, the issue right now that was, has been brought up for the last two weeks about the no-fly list and banning gun uh, purchases from the people on the no-fly list, that's a difficult one to, to kind of get your, hand, your arms around because if you look at what you can get put on that list for, literally, if you make an enemy of this administration, you're going to go on that list. And that means people like you and me could easily be on that list. You have no way of finding out if you're on that list until, until you try to do something. Right. And the no-fly list is separate from the terror watch list, meaning you and I could fly all over this country and think we're fine. Mm -hmm. The minute we walk into a gun shop to buy a gun, we're told no. You're on a terror watch list. Well, for what? We can't tell you. Well, how do I get this cleared up? You can't. There's no, there's no set procedure in place for, for having any type of, of your, you know, a day in court, so to speak. T. Kennedy is still on the no-fly list. Yes. Uh, I don't in, think in he's In 2013, lying. they put 400,000 names on that list. Do you know how many, what percentage was rejected from the ones who, that were nominated for the list? Less than 1%. If you, if you pick up the phone and you've got a beef with your neighbor because he doesn't cut his grass the way you like him to cut his grass, you can say, this guy's been doing some weird things. Yep. You know, I don't know. He, he seems to have maybe have some terrorist connections. They can go on that list and not even know about it. So for all of you who are dissing Donald Trump, understand he's got the Constitution behind him. He's got history behind him. That what he's saying, okay, maybe he needs to to make it regional, but he started with something that needed to be addressed. And and instead of, you know, what really infuriates me is they have a picture. Hey. I saw a picture. What's up, T-Man? Uh, I saw a picture of, of Trump with his hand up like he's addressing the crowd. Then right next to it, a picture of Adolf Hitler saluting. Well, they're okay? always going to take out damage and, and stuff like that. And then a friend of mine, I love the guy to death. His name is Jonathan. He's from up in uh, Asheville. Jonathan, you'll know who I'm talking about. I don't even know if he listens to the show because he gets so infuriated. But Asheville's a, a mecca for hippies. Yes, and and he he and I got into it today because he said, "How dare you consider Donald Trump to be like Adolf Hitler?" First of all, they didn't. Hitler came in and said, "Took all the guns." No, you're not going to have guns. Took everybody's guns. Took the Jews first and everybody else second. He. He destroyed the Jewish economy. He destroyed the Jewish life. He destroyed every aspect of their life. He made them criminals. He made them. Now, none of what, what Donald Trump is suggesting is doing any of that. All he's saying is 
we need to stop letting people come in willy-nilly until we can get a better vetting system. So how you can liken that? And then they came back and said, well, you're xenophobic. I said, how is it xenophobic to stop people from coming into this country that may do harm? I don't know where your political correctness has, has crossed the line. So you're willing to let anybody in and let the chips fall where they may so you can keep your ideology. That's exactly their point. And they argue the country fact, be the country be damned. It's more important to, to, to stick to a rigid ideology that uh, says we let anyone in because we're America. That's what they believe. They don't care about history. You can't talk to them about history. They have been told that this country lets everyone in who wants to come in. And it's uh, going back to what I said earlier. It's the suicide pact analogy. You, you, you allow your ideology to destroy you. And they're coming back saying, well, your definition is xenophobia. You are the very essence of what xenophobia is all about. And, I mean, how do you respond to somebody that's, that's that insane? If you think, if you equate xenophobia with me wanting to protect our country, our rights, our Constitution, our way of life, then you better call 90% of the American public xenophobic or however many percentages you want to call. But this is the thing. Let me let me tell you something. I like about to destroy people's argument, people like that, their argument, by, by really starting to, to get into the details as to the type of enemy we're fighting. And, and their whole argument falls apart. You can't fight this enemy like you fought Japan and Germany. They no. don't wear uniforms. They don't no. fly, well, n not a, a, apart from the 9-11 planes. Right. They don't fly fighter planes and bombers. You're fighting an enemy whose strength lies in the fact that they want to assimilate and mix in with you. And that's where they become their most the most dangerous. So how do you fight the that enemy? Of the you keep them from be having the opportunity to mix in. And it, it, it makes perfect sense to me, even though I don't like Donald Trump. Center for Security Policy poll of U.S. Muslims reveals ominous levels of support for Islamic supremacists. According to the just released survey of Muslims, a majority. Now, we keep hearing about 90-some percent are just peacefully. A majority, 51% agreed that Muslims in America should have the choice of being governed according to Sharia. That's over half of the Muslims polled. When the question was put to the broader U.S. population, the overwhelming majority held Sharia should not displace the U.S. Constitution, 86 to 2%. More than half, 51% of U.S. Muslims polled, also believe Either they should have the choice of American or Sharia courts or that they should have their own tribunals to apply Sharia. Only 39% of these polls said that Muslims in the U.S. should be subject to American courts. This is what we've been talking about. This is what immigration has been about. It's been about assimilation. This is not. This is not assimilation. This isn't Kevin and Mark coming up with these wacko numbers. This comes from the Center for Security Policy. This was an extensive polls. These notions were powerfully rejected by the broad, broader population, according to the center's earlier national survey. It found by a margin of 92 to negative 2 that Muslims should be subject to the same courts as other citizens rather than have their own courts. That, my friends, is what assimilation is. And they are reproducing at five times the rate. Imagine what that will be like in 30 years. Now, here's an even more troubling stat that came from that. It is even more troubling is 
that a quarter of the Muslims polled believe that it is legitimate to use violence to punish those who give offense to Islam by, for example, portraying the Prophet Muhammad. Nearly one-fifth of Muslim respondents said that the use of violence in the United States is justified in order to make Sharia the law of the land in this country. Now, if you take how, how many Muslims are in this country, and there's been numbers bad around 1.8 million, 1.6 million, but let's just call it a million and a half. Just a million and a half. So you do the math. 25% or 20% say that, hey, the use of violence in the United States is justified in order to get Sharia law. 51% or 500,000 people, they want to make Sharia the law. Well, I'm more concerned about the 20% that think violence is okay. That's 200,000. Well, that, that's 300,000 if it's a million and a half yeah. Muslims. 300,000 people are not opposed to violence. Yeah, to, to get your that, real th That's a sizable army. <laughs> does, that, does that say anything about assimilation? Does that say anything about coming no, but, to America but, but, for the American dream? But, we, but, but you know what? We have an ongoing problem with immigration in general in this country not forcing assimilation. We don't, we don't, we don't require uh, Hispanics to assimilate. We, we, we haven't, you know, so we, what we have now with immigration in general is come to this country for the benefits, but not for the, um, the obligations. And the obligation, the biggest obligation is you adhere to our laws and you adhere to our culture. Borders, language, and culture. That's it. That's, and your relatives came over? My relatives came over? They came over Because they the wanted to be American. That's right. That is the key element. Did you also know, Greek, that illegals have now up to eight different tax credits. This is illegals. These aren't legal. Illegals now have eight different tax credits that they have available to them. This comes from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So, I mean, my God, man, what are we doing to this country? We're giving it away. We are. You said it. We're, we're giving it away. Um, and, and if you look at generationally, within 40 years, that's two generations, if they're if they're reproducing that much faster, <laughs> the the game is over. If something doesn't change dramatically in the next few years, there was another there was another interesting um, poll that was done. A random survey of 100 representative mosques in the U.S. was conducted to measure the correlation between Sharia adherence and dogma, calling for violence against non-believers. Of the 100 mosques surveyed. 51% had texts on site rated as severely advocating violence. 30% had texts rated as moderately advocating violence. And only 19% had no violent texts at all. Mosques that presented as Sharia adherent were more likely to feature violence positive texts. In 84.5% of the mosques, the imam recommended studying violence positive texts. Wasn't a mosque raided in the last 48 hours where they actually found munitions? I don't know. In this country, in France, they That's actually... That's the one I'm thinking of, they, they, in France. They, they shut down three mosques. They found over 300 weapons and all kind of explosives. Now, my friends, if you think for a minute that this is being xenophobic, I don't care if they were Irish terrorists. I don't care if they were, were Jewish terrorists. I don't care what they were. I would have the same exact feeling 
that we need to do something. We, we, have a, we have a problem in this country with trying to figure out how do you fight a war against a religion when we've been told for 240 years that we are welcoming and, and we have religious freedom. And I, 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 have, I separate them. I, 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 don't, I look at religion blindly. I look at it right. the way the atheists that want to take the manger down, you know. Right. Okay, we're not, we're, we're not going to pay it to any, anybody that's got bombs and munitions in their mosque or in their church or in their temple or wherever. They're going to be treated like an enemy of the state. I don't care if it's religion. That's right. That's and, right. And you have to look at it that way. Religious freedom. Like whatever they're fighting us about, whether it's their religion or their flag or whatever, whatever their reason goes out the window, you have to deal with them as an enemy, as a combatant, and eliminate them. And here is, and this goes to my point, it is not, we have freedom of religion. You have the freedom to be a peace-loving Muslim in this country. You have the freedom to be a Seventh-day Adventist, a Baptist, a Catholic, whatever. But once your religion, and the numbers don't lie for themselves, I mean, it goes hand-in-hand hand with the 51% that said they believe this country should go under Sharia law. If you've got, if you've got that mindset, that they want to fundamentally change the country, change the rules, change the laws to make it more acceptable to them. And you're talking about one and a half million people. Well, I feel sorry. You know, <laughs> I was thinking about this the other night. I kind of feel a little sorry for Mormons. Think about it. Yeah. They had to change their religion because guys wanted to have more than one wife. Right. And that was considered outrageous. So they had to change in order to be given legitimacy in this country. We have a religion right now that advocates violence and the overthrow of our government and Sharia law, the implementation of Sharia law, and we're actually debating as to whether or not they should be allowed to do it. That's th th it, it's, it's surreal. How is that being tolerant? It is not being... Tolerance is not accepting the fact that over half want to change it, our form of government to Sharia law. That is not tolerance. That's ignorance. So call me, call me intolerant, and I can flip it right on you and say it's got nothing to do with intolerance. I am intolerant of ignorance. I, I, I will oppose anyone who, who advocates my demise. <laughs> That's, where, take the religion out of it. I don't care what their group is called. If it's a religious group, that's too bad. I, I'm right. going to fight any group that advocates my demise. And that's intolerant? Self-preservation. That, that's the bottom line. Where does intolerance end? And, and self-preservation begin? Begin. I think it begins way before intolerance. Way before intolerance. And once again, I fall back. Mark Levin did a great thing on his show on Monday night. Of course, we have to talk about December 7, 1941, 74 years ago. We were a country that was trying to stay out of war and conflict after World War I. Nobody had the taste for it. Nobody wanted it. But it was foisted upon us. Nobody wanted, let me think, nobody wanted to be intolerant of, uh, nobody had a thirst for war. Nobody wanted to put boots on the ground. But then someone slapped us and killed 2,700 people in a little place called Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. Now, when we lost many more than that at 9-11, we should have, and, and what he did was he took, he took the speech from FDR on December 7th, a, an incredible speech if you've never had a chance to hear it, when he addressed the, uh, the, the Congress. Congress. And then when it was done, he then played Obama's 
excerpts from his speech on Sunday. And FDR basically said, we are a tolerant people. We are a great nation. We give more than any country in the world. But we will not, or we will not allow anyone to come in here and destroy our country. We will not. We are a country that is resolute in victory against anyone that tries to change it. And then you hear, what we need to do is be more tolerant. We need to be more understanding. We shouldn't jump to conclusions. We shouldn't condemn everyone because a few people are bad. Well, you know what? I'm sure there were many more good Japanese people than there were A bad. lot of them fought, with, fought in World War II. There was a, a lot of very decorated Japanese-American soldiers who fought in, in Europe. They didn't send them to the Pacific, but they fought in Europe. But this was a difference between a leader at a time of crisis, and this is the second hardest hit we've taken. And he stands up, and the, basically his whole sermon was, you need to be more tolerant. We need to be more tolerant. Let's not forget our roots. Let's not forget we're Americans. Let's not forget what made our country great. What made our country great is you stick us in the eye, we're going to stick you back twice as hard because we will be generous. We will be very giving. We, and, you know, if anyone should have a bone to pick with the United States and with a lot of Europe, it should be the Jews because in World War II, nobody wanted They actually had visas to come into the United States at the last minute were turned down. There were many anti-Semitics back then, but there was also a problem was they didn't want to infuriate Hitler. They didn't want to infuriate anybody else. I mean, but yet these people have actually come out and, and hurt I don't know how many and murdered how many Christians and Jews and fellow Muslims. They butcher and slaughter, and they are in a defined area They've expanded, but there's a very defined area where the vast majority of ISIS is. They've got funding. They've established their territory. That's a funding. Funding is, is another problem that we should get into a little bit later on the show, Kevin, because we have to we have to make some hard decisions as to who some of our, our so-called allies are and yeah. where a lot of this funding is really coming from. Right. It's people buying oil from Iran. And let's not even Saudi Arabia, too. Yeah, absolutely. Saudi Arabia is no friend. No. Believe me, they're, they're a friend of convenience. But even though we've had some incredible statistics giving you some incredible information, there's that time of the show that is always a favorite with Dale. And Dale, by the way, said to say hello to Lou and to John because Dale Dale has been – this is he's in the mail business. So this has been, as you well know, Lou, this is an incredible time of the year for him. But he wanted to uh, get some more of our podcast because he – he missed some of them, and he wanted them. And now you can go They're to They're all on iTunes as of this morning. Yeah, I, iTunes and Podbean. All the shows for the last six weeks are up there. Yeah, there is, there is one glitch on one show I looked up um, from like two weeks ago. It's actually the, the date of the show is wrong. Okay. It's, it's a show from a, pre, a different date. I, I don't know how they got flipped, but... Um, we can correct that, that. That's yeah. That's an easy correct. But they're out there for you, Dale. I sent him the link, and we're going to post the link on our show. There's actually a site. There's a number of podcast catch sites. They're called, I guess. I'm not. iTunes should be the easiest way for people to do it because it uploads automatically. Apparently, yeah. um, once yep. we put the show or move the show over to Podbean, then and we do it right after the show within Podbean. three but, but, hours. But iTunes won't do it immediately. It takes a little bit of time for iTunes to catch it. 
Well, I've got a, I've got a thing. Uh, iTunes will catch it. I, I think they do like a midnight grab or a midnight pull. And so I will within 24 you, hours, it'll be on. It, it's on. Last week's show's on, but I think it, do, it won't pull today's show until midnight tonight. Okay, so by tomorrow, right. you'll certainly be able to get it. But I have a, a site that I've been using that I can capture a number of my favorite podcasts, and it updates them and uploads them to my automatically. You don't even have to think about it. You just go in and plug it in. And I'll give it to you. Give a shout out to Podcast Republic, is the uh, is the site. And see, it says I've got two casts that I capture, Mark Levin and What's Your Point. And all the shows are automatically uploaded to those sites every week, every day. They upload them, and then all you have to do is just go in and click and go. So you don't even have to worry about it. So the shows are out there; they're available. But uh, so Dale said he's sorry, but he'll catch up, and uh, he's been. He's been uh, under stressful moments enjoying fine sticks that he bought from Cutter Cigar Emporium all the way down in Houston, Texas. You know what You know what uh, Eric might be able to do while he's sitting on these planes just jetting all over the country to maintain his uh, diamond status? Uh, no, I would never say that out loud. <laughs> Maybe he could edit some smaller portions of our shows, top topically edit the shows, and we could get some stuff up on YouTube. That's, that would be a good idea, too. But anyway, it is that time of the week. And, of course, you all had a great adventure last week with the uh, beer pairing. Absolutely. With, with Chris. Isn't Chris the best? I mean, yes. Chris is awesome. Very, very good guy. Very knowledgeable. Crowd. Very friendly guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of nice giveaways. And the nice thing about Chris is, from a retail standpoint, you really don't have to do a lot when Chris is here. You, you almost had, I almost had to get to fight to get a word in edgewise because yeah. he was I mean he was on top of it every person yes. comes through the door and he's knowledgeable and friendly it's great and now once again keeping with the fine tradition of cutters it is the holiday season you've been giving away a gift a day absolutely and there have been some fine gifts what is the gift today that you're giving today is I believe Oak Steakhouse at Avalon a gift a gift card for two. Oh. Um, I know. Yesterday was a Zycar uh, Christmas red Zycar cutter and lighter of oh, 100, $150 dollar value. Wow. Um, tomorrow's tomorrow's gift is a soft sided Yeti cooler, oh, which man. is Yeti is top of the line. Very very nice. I have my Yeti cup right here, thirty two ounces, keeps the ice for twenty four hours. It's a beautiful. That thing. was actually one of the giveaways we have. We gave away one of those same Yeti soft sided coolers at our event last week, and the guy that got it had been coming in the shop for about a month. He says, "I've not never win anything." He won a Yeti cooler. Well, here's what's interesting, too. I was at a place called a great. I want to give a shout out to a couple of people. First, Richie up at Cutters in I never get the name of this town. What, what's the name of that town in New Jersey? Hoboken? No. Um, Lindhurst, Lindhurst, New Jersey. Rich, I'm sorry. I always get that wrong. I don't know why, but Richie and Lindhurst, I got a great picture from Russ Sutton. Russ was up there with Richie and he was just in his element. It was great. And then. Well, thank you, John. We'll get into the. Ooh, that's beautiful. My God, what a beautiful Figurado. Woo! Um, on steroids. But um, but I I had a chance. We were out of town last weekend because we were doing cooking demos for the brand new Harris Teeter in Cornelius, North Carolina. To the great folks of Cornelius and Huntersville, what a beautiful community you guys have up there. It is absolutely breathtaking. The beauty. That's NASCAR the country kindness. up there. Oh yeah, it's ten minutes from Mooresville. 
where all the big race teams are. In fact, a lot of the racers actually come into Burners when they're in town. They come and hang out for a few minutes. Everybody's – it was like walking into Cutters, and the people – Richie, the manager, was absolutely outstanding. The people I met there were extraordinary. And one of them that I met said, you know, we have a corporate training facility we just opened in Alpharetta. He said, so I'm down there all the time. And I said, really? Do you uh, smoke cigars? He goes, yeah, I found a little place called uh, Caber, Caber something. I said, Cabernet. I said, that's not a cigar store. He goes, no, no, no. Um, I said, is the place real close to there? And he goes, yeah. There's this, and I shame myself for saying this because I think it's very sexist to say it. But they have this really sharp-looking, very intelligent blonde lady who runs the place. My hair's brown. And I, that's why I knew it wasn't you, John. I, I knew it wasn't you. And uh, he said, I can't remember her name. I said, Luscious Lou. And he goes, yeah, that's her. He goes, I've been in there several times. You guys, it's like coming home to Burners. So it's nice to know. It's in Huntersville, North Carolina. If you are ever just a few miles, if even if you're in Charlotte, drive about 10 or 15 minutes north and go check it out. It's called Burners Cigars in Huntersville, North Carolina. Great place. But... What I found was the same thing. Great minds, great conversations about politics, about sports. We had a professional boxer that sat in with us. We had uh, a guy who, let's put it this way, he has over 100 watches that he think? collects. During the what day, during the weekdays, he drives his Bentley around town. And on the weekends, he drives his Ferrari. So it covers all the social strata and the probably the least expensive watch in his and his collection is probably around 20000 and up. And he's got over 100 watches. He keeps them mostly in a safe safety deposit box. <laughs> but anyway, a great place. Reminds me of Cutters. But you know what? No matter where I travel, and I've, met, I've, I've seen some fine cigar stores, there's nothing like coming home to Cutter Cigar Emporium in Alpharetta, Georgia. Absolutely. It is great because they have an incredible crew here. Just in case you need to know, you cut the end with the pigtail. Oh, well, technically, I shouldn't even cut it. I should just take the pigtail and well, take it could. off. You could. Yes. But knowing you, you'd destroy the end of the cigar. Well, I'm going to chew it anyway, so what difference does it make? You know what? Point point well made. I do. I chew my cigar. I never knew that. Yeah. I had to pick up one of those nasty monstrosities <laughs> and throw it away. What does Lou call it? Kerneling? Kerneling your cigar. Yes. I mean, where else can you go and, ha- and be an ambassador of a, of, of a really incredible cigar shop and then have certain... Attributes of smoking cigars named after you. Our standards, well, that's are, not an attribute our standards of are really low. Attribute of destroying yeah. a cigar. No, 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 no. Yes. Listen, you don't know how many guys smoke their cigars all the way down to the kernel. All the way down to the kernel. The kerneling, smoking it all the way down to the kernel is one thing. Chewing it to where it looks like a dog has thrown away a chew toy yeah, I, is something completely different. Well, I don't, how do you keep it lit past the end, a certain and point? Then I mean, it's got to be all wet and nasty. Well, you don't smoke it down to the wet end, Greek. But but the the more you chew it, the wetter that tobacco is. It looks is like a dead dead octopus when he's done. <laughs> it really does. Am I right? Well, not a dead octopus. Yeah. It looks more like a a uh, a half eaten cannoli. Did you see a the wet pic- rat? Did you recognize the picture I sent you from the Harris Teeters? Of oh, the the shells in the case. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have never seen that in a grocery store. They do it store. right. I've never seen that in the grocery yeah. store before either. I've Harris seen it in Teeters Italian markets. They had all these empty shells. They had ones that were chocolate covered, ones that were plain. They were the all big ones, em- the minis. Yeah. All cannolis. And then you pick your 
and then they fill it for you right there so you get fresh cannolis. Well, that's the way they do it at Bricados because you can't fill a cannoli and leave it in a case for right. 8, 10, 12 hours. It, the the shell's going to get soggy and it's going to ruin it. You should fill it really within 30 minutes to an hour of eating it. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Take the cannolis. Yes, and, and so I saw that I'll be and I doing texted that in a couple of weeks. I'll be I texted that to you, and I didn't even get the courtesy of a thanks for thinking of me. Colonel. I thought I responded. No, I did thought he, I did. Did he bring you a cannoli? Because that no, would be I, one I, thing. I, I, <laughs> a week-long cannoli? No. I, um, I'll be making my, my, uh, my Christmas cannolis. and, and it takes, about, takes about three days for the, tr the cheese to dry. So I've got to get these big colanders, and I have them set up all over my kitchen for like three days, just letting the cheese get really dry, because that's the secret of getting a, the Kirby, filling you right. You really like dry cheese, don't you? And then you, um, then you, then you mix, and, and depending on which recipe you use, some people only use a vanilla extract when they, when they make their filling, but the traditional base is an almond extract and a, um, an anise, which is a more of a licorice yeah. flavoring. Yes. And you mix it with pine nuts, or most people in the United States use chocolate chips, but what I like uh, is the uh, dried uh, citron, the, mm -hmm. the, the dried uh, rind of a, of a, of a lemon, mm -hmm. and you, put, you mix that in with your, uh, with your filling. Oh, wow. Really good. Don't what? fry my own she shells anymore because that's a pain in the neck. I can buy them. And oh, I, yeah. just, I just buy the shells and then fill them. All right, John. So we have a big event coming up Friday. Yes. We are, we are glad to be bringing in Scott Weeks of Recluse Cigars in the Dominican Republic. Um, Scott was one of the stalwarts here for us at the Southern Cigar Festival. I had the opportunity to be close to his booth. To He was one man, and he, he probably sold as many cigars as booths with three or four people in him. Just a hard-working guy. Always got a smile on his face. He was sweating Even like, across from you? You know what? And well, that, that's, that's, what, that's what happens when you get in late. <laughs> you lose the best the best positioning but anyway <laughs> currently anyway so scott's going to be here in person yes and it's going to be a great event five Absolutely. to ten on friday this friday which is december 11th for those of you who are a little concerned it's uh this friday from five to ten now you guys are going to run some incredible specials and this is a perfect holiday time to come yep. in not only do you get your hat to win a daily prize but you also i understand if you buy a box tell us what the special is it's really nice well i'm sure they're going to be the typical um discounts mm -hmm. buy buy three what oh thanks lou i was going to start at the bottom and work my way up to that as a yeah they can that's why she's a manager <laughs> um buy buy, buy three get too. one buy five get two then when you get up to the box, we're obviously we're going to be discounting the boxes 20%. Wow. And if that weren't enough, I mean, 20% discount is a significant discount. It is. If that weren't enough, you buy a box, you will get a 10-count, 8-count box. No. 9-count, isn't it? 9-count box. Right. Of How many fingers am I holding up? Just one. All right. The special one. Um, he calls this the elf, the eight-legged freaks. Uh, for the the spider that is on the beautiful bands that he wraps all of his cigars which really in. scares me because I have arachnophobia I, I mean you, sh you put a spider anywhere within a hundred feet of me and I go crazy I just do not like him and I, and I told him why'd you have to take a spider my god 
But anyway, it's a, it's these an incredible. Come, and, and this has the the Habano, the Maduro, and the Connecticut in it. Three of each in three different sizes. This is actually called the canoe, obviously because of the shape. It's the shape resembles a canoe. We also have gift uh, nine count boxes that you can get that are the traditional recluse shape. The box press oval is what is what it's called, or box press hybrid. But I don't really now. Correct me if I'm wrong, and you will. I don't remember seeing a lot of Figurados that are box-pressed. Not many. No. I mean, it, this is such a great draw, though. And it's a great draw even at the beginning. And for those of you who aren't familiar with a, a Figurado, basically it's like a torpedo. It's tapered at both ends. ends. Yeah, Absolutely. Both ends. And so ordinarily when you snip one end and start to draw, the draw is usually very tough at the beginning. But this one this one's not. had a had a real nice draw right from the get go, and I don't know how they did it, but it was really, really uh, <laughs> smoke mine, Lou, smoke mine. Um, it really had an excellent draw right from the get go, and that's because of quality wrapping and, and binding Absolutely. and everything. The, to do this, that's the way. I think that's why a lot of companies don't do it in this shape because it's difficult to do, and to do it right takes expertise and time and these cigars in in my opinion are are constructed very well and tell us a little bit now you can go on a, on our website what, what's your point you can go on my personal site kevin jenkins you can also go on the cutters by the way i must say yeah. he's sitting right here and i don't have to suck up to him because <laughs> he, 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 suck he up anytime you can no no not true yes, but let do. me tell you something when a guy does an exceptional job, I want you all to take a moment and look at the Cutter's new website. It is so sharp. It is sharp, clean, easily maneuverable. Very, very click-throughs are very, very easy. The thing that pops into my mind is user-friendly. Oh, very God, yes. We've never had such a site. And uh, so this is appropriate going into the – this is – I don't know how long it's been up. I just, just saw it for the first time this week. I got to tell you, this site is absolutely incredible, and it, 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 it's up-to-date on all the current events. It's up-to-date with – you get directions on multiple pages on how to get here. The hours of operation are out there. You don't know how many times, especially for someone like me who travels as much as I had. I went to a lot of different cigar stores. Very difficult to find the information about, about the cigar store, even on their own webpage. This is just out there. It's, it's full of it, and I got to tell you, Rick – outstanding job yep rick with my mobile life did a fantastic job for us absolutely and uh, we could not be happier with it i hear Definitely. rumors that there yeah. may be another site coming up that'll be coming up fairly soon announcing a big event that's going to come up this summer yes my goodness we are we're still uh, waiting on our exact date but we are uh, gonna have Southern Cigar Festival up and running very, very soon. And the same guy that did our main site is going to do our secondary site for the, which means it'll be easy to yeah, maneuver. Yeah. It'll be, e I mean, we it's learned lot, so lot much from last, than last year. Year's, yeah. And that's what's going to be exciting. But also, so many, you know how many times I've sat around and listened to people say, gee, I wish you guys would get bigger. I wish you guys would expand. I wish mm. you guys would do this. I wish you guys would do that. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. I got permission from the man himself. The work, it is in the works for 2016. Yes. When is, of course, dealing with construction and everything else, there is going to be a new Cutter's Cigar Emporium 
and I will just I will just tell you this: a person who's very knowledgeable and is very closely affiliated with a monstrosity of an incredibly beautiful cigar store in Atlanta somewhere was sitting out there telling me this will be the destination location for the city of Atlanta. This is the vision. This is the beauty of Russ Sutton. He doesn't come out first. He doesn't come out way in advance. He waits until certain things are in order. So I got very clear permission to announce what I'm announcing, even though there are certain ones of us who have known about this for a long time, we've had to keep it under our hats. Yes, we're, we are so super excited. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be huge, my friends. You can't even, I, ca I can't even begin to tell you the details of it. I will just put it to you this way. <coughs> this is going to be a cigar store like any, like none other in the city of Atlanta. It's going to be phenomenal, um, and for those of you who are in the area and are regular customers, do not be concerned that we are going to be out of reach. It's very, no. very close. It's, it's right yes. in our backyard. So it's right in our backyard. You can walk there from our current And what's location. really exciting is we are just literally hours away. The state has finally issued us a number, but they haven't, they haven't uh, made it official yet. The number is out there, but they have to activate it. And for then the, we'll be, the alcohol permit? Yep. We have got it. It's done. It's just waiting for the state to activate it. The actual number is out there. So that's how close we are. And then beer, wine, and spirits will be served here at this location. The next location is going to a whole other level. I'd also like to add to that because there have been some, some questions or concerns of, of the core regular customers here of, well, this is really going to change. It's going to turn into a bar. Um, no, I, c I can say with 100% certainty that Russ Sutton, the owner, um, is dead set on maintaining the character, the 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 setting of cutters cutters as it is. This will not become a bar. This will remain a, a lounge with alcohol that complements the, the smoking cigar. the cigar smoking experience. And that's what it is. So if you think, oh ha ha, it's a bar I can go hang out at. This is not what we are. We are a cigar, a, a cigar facility that is beyond your wildest dreams. Great televisions. We have the NFL package. We'll have everything you possibly want. Big screens, lots of them. This place is going to be like, in fact, when you finally get a chance to, because I've seen the, the the uh, the the, uh, the artist rendering. I've yes. seen all the everything, and oh my God, John. You've seen it. I've seen it. A few choice people have been allowed to see the. The it is going to blow people's minds. What this is going. What Russ Sutton is going to do here. I have learned uh, from experience never to doubt Russ's vision. When he came to us last spring and said, "Hey, we're going to do a we're going to do a cigar festival." Okay, we're going to do it at Verizon Amphitheater in uh, three months. Yeah. I looked at him. I said, "You've lost your mind." because I couldn't see it. He took me out to Verizon. He walked me through, told me where everything was going to be. And at that moment, I'm like, this crazy son of a gun is going to pull this off. And sure enough, we did. From that point on, I do not doubt what is in his mind. And you said it perfectly. He won't go fast. He won't take shortcuts. He won't say, okay, I'm going to do this just because I want to do it. He's going to wait for the right moment. He's going to make sure all the pieces are in place. He's going to make sure that it doesn't 
rob his or change his vision at all and enhance it not it, it is going to it is going to bring it to life and enhance it and it's it, it is going to be incredible and it is going to be the destination people now when they when they google where's the best cigar store to come into in this city i have no doubt that as soon as this opens when it does we're not going to give you tentative dates we're not going to give you any of that stuff because everything's still papers are still being you know taken very care much of in flux yeah but let's just put it in 2016 we will be at the most incredible cigar shop the destination location for anybody in the atlanta metro area that's coming in for for business for pleasure whatever if you enjoy a fine cigar it is going to be the place is going to be cutter cigar emporium like the festival and i was telling russ when I met Carlito Fuente down at the at the uh, IPCPR, I met Carlito, the man himself, Carlito Fuente. And I'm standing there, and I said, well, I'm from Cutter Cigar Emporium. He kind of smiled. Now, you know all these guys, they see 10,000 people. And I said, we're the ones that put on the biggest cigar festival in the history of Atlanta. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. My people are still talking about that. How do I get involved in that? He had heard about it. Every owner of every major cigar, Lido Gomez, said, oh, yeah, I got to be there this year. I mean, everybody was talking about J.C., Bob Newman. Oh, yeah, I got my ref's been talking my ear off. That's the kind of vision Russ had. But he had been planning it for a year. This has been in planning for a long time because he travels all around the world, all around the country, going to other cigar stores and picking up things. What looks good? What doesn't look good? He's got this incredible whiteboard. He puts all those things, and then he calls it down. And I'm telling you, when you see this place, you will say, Colonel, you weren't even close. So, gentlemen, what do you think of the cigars? Amazing. It's got a nice spiciness to it, but not overpowering. It's not a, yeah, it's not an overwhelming cigar. Um, it's, it's balanced. Um, the early hints when I first started smoking it were, were of berry. A little, bit of a little bit of a tart sweetness. Yeah, but... Um, it's expanding this on is, that. This is the Habano. It comes in the Connecticut, the Habano, and the Maduro. Um, also, a, a beautiful cedar that's not overpowering. Sometimes when you taste cedar in a cigar, it just knocks your socks off. It's like, ooh, ooh. There's a subtle cedar that really complements the smoke. So it's not overpowering. But it's an excellent, excellent cigar. And you're going to get a box of nine if you just buy another box. What a box. gift, too. I mean, oh, people can't incredible. see it on the radio, but this is a beautiful, beautiful package. It's a wooden box um this this would look great as an executive gift you know yeah. oh my gosh what else? especially you it's know, red red and black for the christmas season and here's a nice thing and thank you for saying christmas season instead of holiday season i appreciate that you're, but you're here. but here's the thing this is now i'm not trying to be scroogish about this at all but if you're going to buy a box of cigars for a friend that makes a statement that that's a classy classy statement this would be the perfect one to keep for yourself Oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, you know, you buy them a beautiful box of Scott Weeks's Recluse cigars, which are with a big spider on the front. Yeah, you notice I didn't bring that up. But anyway, then you get this. It's kind of like saying because you're such a nice guy. No, because you're such a nice guy, you should be rewarded for your charitable and wonderful thoughts. Or you get your wife to buy it for you, and she's not going to smoke it. Or she may. Bull crap. Yeah, my wife will. Yeah, she'd give you the, yeah. She, I get three out of it. <laughs> Better than Kyle would get. 
true. Yeah, but anyway, so it's a great event. It's going to be a phenomenal Scott Weeks event. live, and I hear he's going to stay over till Saturday. Yep, we're going to have him Saturday. We're going to have the, the – it's going to be a typical Cutters event, uh, food, um, plenty of entertainment. We're going to have – I'm sure we'll have raffles and giveaways. And I'm here. There's and the downside is – Colonel here. The colonel will be here. I will teach you how to colonel your cigar. In case anybody Fredo, doesn't will you know, be here? Uh, I can probably come up Saturday. I've got something to do Friday night, but if he's going to okay. be here Friday after, or Saturday afternoon, I'm yep. open for Saturday afternoon. But uh, it's going to be a great, a great event. Do you want to update? We uh, are in our final push for um, Cigars for the Troops. Um, we are going to be packaging and sending out the cigars on the 16th of December. Um if we, if I were to count the cigars we have right now, including the ones that Cutters is going to match, uh, if not at a thousand, just just under a thousand cigars, that uh, the troops will get um, as close to Christmas as as humanly possible. Um, still opportunities there to do buy and donate cigars. We've had some guys that I've had some guys just hand me a twenty dollar bill and say, "You pick out." Cigars that you think they would like, and uh, that's what I, I'm going to do. I have it's never, gonna... I've never served in the military, but I have unbelievable respect and appreciation for the sacrifices what they do, and being able to send them cigars, just a little bit of a touch of home is is in my mind very Huge. a very yeah. small thing, but something that they will appreciate. Very greatly, especially at this time of year, which yes. is such a family time of year. It and is, I, and it's tough on the troops. I you've been four, away from your family, yeah, for four years uh, when I was serving in the military. And I'll tell you what: while the guys and gals that are serving overseas, because I was overseas, I wasn't even home. I was always overseas. But it's tough. It's tough. But you try to make it sound like it's not such a big deal. But let me tell you something: when someone would get that goodie box from home, you didn't care. Whose home it was, it was home. And whether it was cookies or newspapers or whatever, the craziest things people would send, man, to share that was just unbelievable. So what you're doing, John, what Cutters is doing, what Tip of the Spear does, absolutely top-notch. So please come in and help. This is a great, great idea. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and uh, in the future, we've got a big event coming up next week. Um, the Cutter Cigar Christmas Party. We are um, going to be a, a fun. It's going to be also raising funds for the um, NFL uh, retired NFL Players Association. Mm -hmm. um, as I understand it, we are going to have some retired NFL players in attendance as guests of honor. Um, the company that's going to be featured is the Florida Dominicana, uh, commonly known as LFD. Um, incredible cigars. It's going to be a unbelievable way to to celebrate with family and friends here at cutters the christmas season and even if it's your first time coming to cutters make that event not only will you get to hobnob with probably some nfl players former nfl players but you'll also get a chance to meet the family here at cutters and find out why this place is so special and that's going to be uh, from 5 to 8.30 on nope, the 17th. that's from 5 till the last person leaves. Okay. <laughs> well, it starts at 5. We yes. don't know when it's going to end. Well, there'll be a, an NFL football game that night. Yes. So yes. I'm sure. It'll be, it'll be incredible. Uh, just incredible. Well, thank you very much, John. Excellent choice on the cigars. Uh, this is a big event coming up Friday, December 11th, 5 to 10. And then the following week, 
look on it Thursday night, I believe it is. Thursday 17th. night, the 17th. That is the big Christmas party. Two great events you don't want to miss right the here. Day before my beloved wife's birthday. Well, you'll have to get her one of these boxes. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'd like thank to you, see gentlemen, very much. Well, thank you very much, John. Thanks, John, great. as always. Yes. A wonderful choice. And that, I just can't get over how nice that looks. I mean, that, that would be just a perfect gift to give somebody, uh, not, maybe not even in your family, but uh, somebody you work with. Absolutely. You know, if you have somebody at work that you know likes, enjoys cigars, what a great gift. It's classy looking. Here. Like me, of course. Well, I was going to say. As, uh, as, that's as, not what I was going to say. As opposed to what's yeah. sitting across from you. Who, who colonels his cigars. See if I ever send you another picture. Oh, cannoli shell. Cannoli shells. Oh. <laughs> you know, this is, this is what I get. At least with Luscious Lou, I get some love. Very That's little. That's very right. little. There we go. Better than what you heathens get. Yeah, but anyway, and, uh, thanks, so very, thanks so very much. Low and, hanging uh, fruit. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. But thanks so very much. Cutters is awesome. They give us this platform to do our show, Greek. And... We always have great customers that come in here and great people that come in and sit in, and it's just a great experience all the way around. Now, Family course, atmosphere. It really is. And uh, when we were sitting here earlier, there was a lovely lady that was in here smoking a cigar that was learning about cigars. More and more women are beginning to get the cigar vibe. And I'm telling you, um, at the cigar store at Burners, there were three or four ladies that came in. One of them was an uh, executive at Lowe's. She came in just to smoke cigars and got into a lively debate about the Constitution, and she just loved it. She came up and gave me a big hug before she left. I mean, it was great. I mean, it's, 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 a, great, it's a great experience, so this is the place to be. Well, definitely, especially this time of year, because it's a gr there, there's so many different gift options. Mm -hmm. even, if, even if you shy away from making a selection, a cigar selection for whoever you're buying from, the accessories they have here oh. are just phenomenal. The ashtrays, the cutters, the lighters. They've got a really neat punch that our good friend Michael the Whip Holst, who's an engineer for our other show, he made some beautiful handmade cutters. They hand laid the wood, some beautiful woods and things. I think they've got a few of those left up there. That's a Just personal gorgeous. gift, too. People really appreciate is. those type of things. You know, that, Handmade? That, that's something that, that really, I think, goes the extra mile when, when you're trying to pick a gift. You know, we always talk about the people who have everything. If you give them a personalized gift like that, it's a great statement. It really is. And, of course, you've always been in the fine clothing, men's clothing industry. You've always been. They can say a lot of things about you, Greek, but one thing is they can never say you didn't set a style trend. You were always styling. I don't care where it was. Yeah, if I can just get back into my clothes. Well, uh, there's know. too many cannolis. <laughs> That's the problem. But, I've uh, got a definite sugar addiction right now I'm trying to beat. I'm well, I'm, oregano I'm, oil to try to get rid of it. I, I, no, <laughs> I don't, no, we don't need to get into your, your dietary habits to... You, you can actually develop a sugar addiction that can be very um, very detrimental to your, yes. your gastrointestinal system. I'm so trying to kill I'm, that right now. I, I'm, I'm eating many more sweets during this month because this is the month of Christmas. And uh, by the way, um, if I walk up to you and I say Merry Christmas and you don't happen to believe, just understand what Merry Christmas means to me. Merry Christmas. Christmas has always been, in my life, the most joyous time of the year. It's when I see more people smiling, more people exchanging pleasantries and everything else. So when I come up to you, I am offering you the highest form of appreciation for your presence by wishing you a Merry Christmas. Whether you agree or whether you don't, 
understand that that is what it means. It's not just a cursory thing that I just throw out there. And my Jewish friends love it. And if I know they're Jewish, of course I wish them. And you know what they do? They return it with Merry Christmas because they know that I believe in Christmas. And you know what? I've talked to so many of my good Jewish friends. Never have they been insulted or do they feel slighted or taken aback by someone wishing them a Merry Christmas. Well, I think a lot of people of other faiths who, who are um, who are solid and committed in their faith mm-hmm. respect someone who is committed in, in his Christian faith to say Merry Christmas and, and not come up with this generic Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. I, I, I just don't say it. I won't say it. I just refuse to say it because it's it's lumping everybody's holidays into one. It's not. Each individual has their own way of doing a holiday. But if if it's my highest compliment that I'm offering you, then guess what? Take it for what it is. It's not to say, well, my religion is better than your religion or or, uh, you know, I mean, how many people I cannot imagine anyone being really upset at Santa Claus. I mean, there are there. Well, there might be. I, there are. They there was a mall out in New Jersey that said, "Well, Santa Claus no Santa. was front center." No, they moved it to the back, furthest away, at the slowest part, of, <laughs> slowest part of the mall. And I'm like, okay, explain to me, Greek, and maybe one of our listeners can can text in who who finds Santa Claus offensive. I was, what's offensive about a Christmas tree? I mean, a Christmas tree with beautiful lights. I mean, how is that offensive? I, I don't know that something beautiful can be offensive, especially when you know that it's it's not meant to be. It's not done to put up in your face and say, here, take it. It's just an expression of beauty. It's an expression of a time of the year. There are people who go around looking for excuses oh, to be offended. And unfortunately, they used to never have a, 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 a place. People just say, we, shut up, Ebenezer. Now we give them legitimacy. Yeah, now we say, oh, really, it offended you? Well, we'll take it down. Everybody else be damned. Well, and that's the problem. And, uh, you know, i got to tell you, Greek, it really, I really find the holiday season to be a time of great happiness. And, yes, it's stressful. What You can't get away from Thanksgiving and Christmas and Hanukkah being stressful for the people because it's presents. It's expectations. That's part of what I enjoy, though. I like the yeah. holiday rush. I like the bustle and, and, and the. I don't. I don't. I'm not a big fan of malls, but if I have to go to a mall, it's going to be this time of year. And 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 I enjoy the, the decorations and and everybody being in kind of a good mood and and, and happy. And it's 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 nice to end the year in such a festive way. Well, when I was when I was in uh, when I was in North Carolina this last weekend. I did not wish one person a happy holidays. Every single person that came up to their demo, and there were hundreds of them, came up to our demo, I said, Merry Christmas. And they lit up like a Christmas tree and said, Merry Christmas back to me. And I got to tell you, man, it was just those people up there. I, I mean, everywhere I've traveled, I've said, Merry Christmas. And if someone wishes me a happy holiday, I respond to them, Merry Christmas. I let them know. That it's not just a holiday. Now, for those of you who believe it's, it has certain very, very momentous and very important connotations. For those who don't believe, it's a way of, of wishing you happiness and peace at a time of the year. I mean, you look at all the Christmas movies. You look at all the Christmas songs. I've watched you listen, several of them. Yeah, I, I've watched. Oh, gosh. I've got six of them sitting at home in my queue. But, but the thing is, 
it's just it's wonderful. The, the Christmas music, they, you know, there's nothing like walking at night. I mean, they do that in uh, in North Carolina, this little town of Cornelius. I was walking out to my car, and they they do something that's kind of interesting. They don't have shopping malls per se. They have like Avalon. Mm-hmm. They have all these stores, but it's all sidewalk, cobblestone walkways away from the hustle and bustle of the street. But all their centers are like that. Well-lit trees. Every tree, every branch had a light on it. And in the background is Christmas music playing. Six, you know, it's 40 degrees. You're walking out to your car. I parked a block away just so I could walk down the avenue with the Christmas lights and listen to the music. I mean, my gosh, man, it just doesn't get any better than that. And why we want to do anything to tear that down is beyond me. I don't care whether you agree with, you know, what a red light means, what a blue light means, what a green. Just enjoy the beauty of the moment. There's a there's a growing group of Americans that are, are, are quite secular in their um, in their beliefs that uh, really want to almost tear down everything that has become tradition in this country and when you tear those things down you're really tearing at the fiber of the country and you're and you're you're beginning to to tear we're, we're starting to see it that the, the things that made this country great are falling by the wayside left and right and uh christmas is only one of the more obvious examples well and you know what here's the thing too i mean you look at what happened in the university of tennessee knoxville their diversity department got in hot water last week oh, what did they do well, what they did was they put out all these different ways in which instead of using traditional Christmas, they gave you the options of what they recommend you should do to not offend anyone during this holiday season. Well, I'll tell you what. Did they have any documented cases of people being offended? Though? Well, they said oh. there were people that were offended. And so they have a they have a Department of Diversity. And so a very heavily funded, of course, by who? The taxpayer. Well, guess what? This hit the national media, and there has been such an uproar now. Members, and this is going to be, and you can't take this. This is my my winner of the week. But the state of Tennessee in their legislature is now considering a bill to withdraw the funding from the Department of Diversity at the University of Tennessee, Kentucky. So for all of you people out there who bah humbug Christmas, who bah humbug Hanukkah, who bah humbug, the, the, the very core of our fiber, you are in the definite minority, and the silent majority is starting to rise. We're starting to push back. But we're starting to be told enough is enough. But just push them aside more than just push back. Just, just push them aside and, and, and call them for what they are. They're, they're the kook fringe. You know? and, the, and the media, just like the, ho- the workplace incident that happened in San Bernardino, because they were falling all over themselves not to call it a Christmas party and a Hanukkah party. You know, they, it, 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 it was several hours before we ever even had a uh, definitive right. idea of what this party was. I heard early, early reports where that was a meeting. Yeah. And they knew better. Yeah. They knew better. They absolutely knew better. But nobody wanted to be the one to say it. So, you know well, what, my why friends? Why even at a Christmas party? Wish, wish, wish whatever you want to wish in this holiday season. If you truly believe happy holidays is the best you can do, very good. But understand, when I wish you a Merry Christmas, it's not to offend. It's to compliment you. Celebrating the obvious. That's right. Absolutely right. I mean, my goodness, you listen to the old Christmas songs. 
I mean, you know, the classics from the 30s, 40s, and 50s when they really had Christmas music that was really, really good. Yeah, the, well, uh, Sirius XM has one channel devoted to the old songs called uh, Holiday Traditions. Holly's, they're more pop station, but mm -hmm. Holiday Traditions plays all the old stuff. And you listen, you listen to Bing Crosby. You listen to Frank Sinatra. You Nat King Cole. Nat King Cole. You listen Perry to Perry Como. I mean, all those guys. Andy uh, Williams. Williams. I mean, the music. Karen Carpenter had a couple of incredible mm -hmm. Christmas songs. Yeah, if and you had to, if you had to come up with a song, what would you say is your favorite Christmas song that was written and released in the last uh, forty years since 1975? Um, I like the one, and I, I, I might have fallen a little before. It wasn't written for the holiday season, but it was when David Bowie Although, and that was Bing a, Crosby, yeah, the little drummer, little drummer boy. boy. But that was an older song. That I'm, was I'm talking an older about song. A, a, an absolute I can't new really, song. I can't really tell you. My favorite one that would be that would fall into that period would be Christmas and Dixie. Oh, yeah, absolutely! Remember. When we at had the, him at the racetrack, at the racetrack, we actually had the lead singer. Yeah, came on and, and did the first. And version. I asked him if he would do it, and he said absolutely. In front of one hundred and twenty thousand people. Yeah, Christmas and Dixie. That absolutely right, Greek. I knew, I knew you would come up with that. It. That that was that oh, that man. one. That's one that stands the test of time as being a classic. It is having been written. What's your favorite classic Christmas song from Carol of the Bells? Pre nineteen seventy. Carol of the Bells would be my favorite Christmas carol. Um, as far as a particular song or version of a classic song, I like Frank Sinatra's Christmas Waltz. Okay. Yeah, that, that's that's okay. probably my favorite. And Tony Bennett did a great version of my favorite things. Um, my favorite of all time, and you know, there, there's a little history behind it, Silver Bells. And um, the thing was, the person who wrote the song actually told the story when he was writing it he had a a little bell sitting on his desk at home when he was working and it tinkled and he loved the tinkle of that bell and his kids would tinkle it at christmas time and so the original name of the song was tinkle bells and when he presented it they loved it they knew the song was an instant hit but they said tinkle might not work he said why it's tinkling and he said well because a lot of people refer to tinkling yeah. as a Body a, a, a snicker, yeah. And so he never had heard that expression. And he goes, oh, my gosh, if that's the case, and we'll change it. This, but the bill was, bell was silver, so he called it Silver Bells. And the rendition in, I think it was The Lemon Drop Kid was the movie with uh, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. And that rendition, I mean, it just, it, and um, there's one Karen Carpenter did. It was a little bit later. Uh, I know the one you're talking about. Where she talks greeting about cards have all been sent. Yes. Merry Christmas, darling. Yes, Merry Christmas, darling. Oh, man. If that doesn't well up inside. And, you know, when I first heard it, I was overseas. And let me tell you something, man. That's still. I still tear up, and I still get the goose flesh when that, I hear it. That song was done before 75, but I might have to add that one to as one of the more recent clucks. Cl uh, true classics that that would definitely fall into that category what's your favorite christmas movie oh wow i love miracle on 30 i have three well really i'm sorry i have four but they're all i love the original um uh christmas carol with alistair sim well, that's the 51 version that's not the original one no, but, right, but yeah but the one with alistair sim right, i love 51. that version 
I love the uh, the movie, um, the one with Jimmy Stewart. It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life is another one. I really, really enjoyed the uh, the uh, Lemon Drop Kid with Bob Hope and, and Crosby. There are a and lot of them that people forget. Yeah. Uh, you know, the original um, pilot, really, for the uh, the Waltons was a Christmas movie called Homecoming. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a good one. Uh, my, my favorite is It's a Wonderful Life, not not just because of of the story, but actually the message. That, that, that no one's life, no one lives in a vacuum. That no matter how insignificant you think you are, you are affecting dozens and dozens of people and that, that everyone in some sort of way is interconnected. And uh, I think that's a great message for people. And at the end when the bell rings, oh, look, Daddy, oh. bell rings, an angel got its wings. And he opens up the book <laughs> left to him by Clarence. And it says, George, no man is truly alone who has friends. And that movie struggled when it first came yeah. out. It wasn't the flop that people have, have, have no, it wasn't said it was, but it was, um, it was released, first of all, in the summer. And uh, it really didn't gain a lot of popularity as a Christmas movie until it went into reruns on television. And, and, and before Turner got the rights to that movie, literally in the month of December, you could flip through the channels. And at any given time, 24-7, some station on, was on cable was going to be playing it. And now NBC plays it only one time a year. Thankfully, we have things like YouTube and DVDs and stuff that you can watch it anytime you want to. But it, it's, a, it's a long movie, but it's, 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 a, oh, it's great, a great, great movie. It's a great, great movie. I thought George C. Scott did a good job with his version of, of A Christmas Carol as well. I, yeah, see, I, I, I see there are certain movies that I don't like to see. I know uh, John Henry Carradine Winkler, did one. Henry Winkler did one. Uh, that was terrible. Yeah, uh, but you know what? I mean, Alistair Sim who in his latter years, I actually talked to someone who sat next to him in a little pub in Ireland. And when he found out who he was, he asked for his autograph, and he was just as rude and nasty as he could be. <laughs> he, was, he was Ebenezer Scrooge uh, before. <laughs> he, resi- he reverted back. But, um, but, no, the Christmas movies are, and, and, and I, I wrote about this earlier. You know, I went to the, I took the Beast to a, to a cinema tavern. And up in up in uh, Sandy Springs, and we're sitting there, and they're showing all the previews. Just in time for Christmas, Rocky's new movie. Yeah. Just in time for Christmas, another violent film. Just in time for Christmas, uh, the one about the uh, the Great White Whale. Um, you know, just in time for Christmas, and then they went into started the movie, which we went to see the uh, James Bond movie. And so I got home and I started. I told the Beast on the way home. I said, you know. There wasn't a single Christmas movie. Not a Christmas-themed movie. Well, there's Krampus. Not anything. What's that? Krampus is out. Well, it wasn't shown as a as a. Hey, you haven't you seen the trailer for it? No. But, I mean, but I mean, whatever happened. I mean, it used to be if you were there two weeks before Thanksgiving, the trailers for what's coming out on Christmas was a lot of Christmas movies and other movies. But I, this was all... There was nothing in there that even suggested Christmas. I can't think of the last major release that was a Christmas movie other than maybe Home Alone, and that's been 20, 25 years. Yeah. So. It just, it's, 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 I don't know if it's a concerted effort. I don't know if there's any, any, but I mean, you watch the Hallmark Channel, 24 and 7, they run Christmas movies, and they're great. And they're made for TV movies. Yeah. None of them are major motion pictures. But they're able to pull these things off. Tori Spelling did a version of Scrooge that was on the Hallmark Channel. That was really bad. What was the one where the, uh, where... Uh, Tori Spelling in a dress, though. <laughs> if you don't have to look at the face, she's got a great body. But, 
I mean, <laughs> ridiculous body. Well, I okay. That that in, in keeping with the Christmas theme, you know, we know what you want in your stockings, but uh, but the whole idea is maybe maybe we could start getting back to just a little bit more. I'm not saying uh, we have to go full fledged, but I'd like to see a little bit more. You don't you don't see a lot of of movies made big budget movies made anymore that appeal to a, a whole family audience. Um, and this Krampus movie is fairly. I thought the Santa Claus series was pretty good. Yeah, those were good. With, with uh, Tim. Uh, Tim, uh, uh, the guy that was in the the Home Improvement yeah. show. Yeah. Uh, I can't think of his last name. Isn't Tim Allen? Tim Allen, yeah. Those were very funny. Those were very good. Yeah, he made a good Santa Claus. Yeah, he did. I mean, he he played the grumpy part, and then he he got into it. He he got to the the old stop motion animated movies. Oh, that were man. made for kids are classics, you know. Now Rudolph, Rudolph and Year Without a Santa Claus, and Santa Claus is Coming to Town, all yeah. those. Um, Still I, love watching they those. They did a, a 50th anniversary special on on Charlie Brown last week. The, uh, this is the 50th anniversary of that being released. Those those have become classics as as people have gotten older. Yeah. And share them with their kids. And you know they're just great movies. And I hope if you get a chance, if you have kids or you're around kids, share some of those old movies with them. I think they would be fascinated. I think because you know what. This season is a wonderful time of the year. I mean, we got to get back into the into the hardcore stuff, but uh, you know, it just it's 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 not a bad thing. Christmas and Hanukkah is not a bad thing. Christmas and Hanukkah is a time of the year where people exchange pleasantries. And what's Whether, wrong with that? Yeah, and and I don't know. I, I I wish there were more seasons that celebrated like that, where you where you had that feel of joyousness through your heart and and through every aspect of your life it just it's just really really fun and that's why i enjoy this time of the year well, so that's much. why for, for me it it starts really middle of october with the build-up to halloween and uh you know as a sideline i'm also in to what's going on with the world series and everything we had this year you had the extra celebration of having the cubs involved in in the nlcs yeah. and, and then you just roll right into halloween and then it becomes thanksgiving and the build-up to that and, and thanksgiving kind of the forgotten holiday by the by the retailers at least right. because they don't make as much money off of thanksgiving as they do halloween and christmas but um probably my favorite holiday because thanksgiving traditionally kicks it all off um at least the christmas season off and watching the macy's day parade as 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 overproduced as it's become with all of the Broadway musicals and anything yeah. that NBC is trying to plug, sticking that in the parade, it's still a great American tradition. Oh, it is. And uh, my, my niece and I, she was in town for, for Thanksgiving, and we spent the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving online trying to find stories about how they actually blow those balloons up. And it's really, it's, it's, a, it's a fascinating process because those balloons are not just one compartment of of helium there's several compartments that compose those balloons and how they have to blow them up in sequence and how they bring the helium down into uh, the park you know they, they bring them in these giant tanker trucks that are under so much pressure that they actually have to install a converter in 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 the line from the truck to the pump that actually goes into the balloon to bring the psi down to pump the balloons and it, it's a it's a pretty detailed process but it's fascinating to watch something like that come together people stay up all night the night before the parade getting prepared for it and and not only that but they've made that area a viewing area now so yeah. you can actually go down there and watch them yeah you can watch them do it. such a such a big deal so you know what i think this is a great way to end the show 
is uh, talking about that because we had well over an hour on what happened in San Bernardino and all the things that have come out from that. Yeah, and that's not going to go away. We're going to be talking about that a lot more right. in the months to come. Um, we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to continue to hear the push for more gun control. Uh, we have a candidate right now, the leading candidate for the Democrats, who's actually talking gun confiscation, not just gun control. She has talked about the Australian model and how she thinks that that's worth looking at to see if it could be done here when people don't realize what happened with the Australian model in a country that size where they only confiscated one million guns. And they and didn't confiscate. No, they did. They bought back. They, but it was a mandatory buyback. Well. You either turn your gun in and take the money or we come and get your gun at a later point and then you get charged for having a gun you're not supposed to have. That was confiscation, my friend. And when you're only talking about one million guns in a, in a relatively small country like that, population-wise, as opposed to a country that has 300 million guns in this country, and, and to put 300, and in, in I think the number was 310 million, but let's say 300, keep it round. There's about 260 million cars in this country. Right. Fewer cars in operation than guns. Do we see an, an outcry or a calling for mandatory car control the, the scenario I, I lay out for someone over the weekend was this statistically most drunk driving accidents take place at night and on the weekends so sensible car control would be after seven o'clock on friday you can't drive your car until 6 a.m 5 a.m whatever monday morning when you're commuting to work that would cut down on drunk driving considerably wouldn't it does anybody think that's a feasible plan in a country of 260 million cars? Can anybody imagine something like that happening? Yet we know that it would could cut down if you could implement it. It's not realistic. We are a country that was based on the concept that individuals have a right to own a firearm, not only for their own protection, but well, for self-defense protection, but also as protection against a government. That's right. And a little bit more to that when we get to our winners and losers, but just wanted to throw that out there. Well, it's time for winners and losers. And my winner, of course, this week is going to be the uh, state legislature in Tennessee for trying to put a bill through to, to defund the diversity department at the, universe, at the U of T Knoxville. Um, great job, guys. I mean... If we don't start, you start small, and you start pushing back and push aside, push back and push aside, because there has got to be um, something done to protect the very core of what we are as Americans. And my loser goes to Walt Disney. They have just given uh, Vice Media $400 million to push such things as Jungle P asterisk SSY on your kids. What is that? Is that a band or something? Yes. What? Well, here's the picture. I'm uh, looking at it now. Yeah. You've got it on our, on our yeah. Facebook page. But Disney started out giving them $200 million, but they figure this is a better way to reach out to the kids. And this company is supporting everything that Disney was against, uh, you know, as far as entertainment is concerned. No, is this like a rap group or what? Well, that's a part of Vice Media. The name alone implies that it's probably, <laughs> uh, but the picture is is offensive in and of itself, and they're going to give four hundred million dollars. Yeah, they started out with two hundred million, but they figured, um, 
the 400 million is to the left wing vice media to now bring you jungle uh, satanic temple leader blogging her abortion and meth fueled week-long orgies ravaging london's gay party scene and the sponsoring of north korean propaganda and walt disney is doubling its stake in vice media to 400 million dollars because it is a youth focused media group to about 10 percent of they're giving about 10 percent of the uh, worth of the company so guess what walt disney once again you've taken something as beautiful as walt disney started out and you're now promoting and spending and this is all aimed at, at kids as i read more and this th their yeah. target audience are children yeah so. so they're my big loser well my big loser for the week is going to be every town for gun control because in the wake of what happened in san bernardino they can kiss their uh, grand aspirations of gun confiscation goodbye. This country, in the wake of what happened out there, is not about to turn in their guns. More specifically, they're not about to turn in their assault weapons. We have a right to defend ourselves with like force, and no one is going to turn in their AK-47 or their AR-15 when we know that the terrorists are now among us. And he can pump as much money, Bloomberg can pump as much money into that as he wants, but every town for gun control is dead in the water as far as I'm concerned. And your winner? My winner is going to be the NCAA and the FBS selection process. This year, uh, I really thought that they were going to wind up with a log jam with about eight teams all vying for a shot at getting into the playoff. As it turned out, and the way they manipulated the, the rankings the last three weeks of the season, they positioned teams into a, a situation like Iowa, for instance, where they put them in knowing that they still had to play a game against Michigan State, and that, was that, that game essentially became the fifth playoff game, uh, or the third playoff game, uh, the third, th yeah. um, to have an opportunity to where we now have four teams that I don't think really anyone can argue outside of some of the crazy Ohio State fans who think for some reason they should be in and Oklahoma shouldn't uh, to have a legitimate playoff this year. It I did work. And if you look at the top eight, you know, because that's what they're talking about, maybe one day expanding to eight. That's the next number that they're talking if, about. If, if you expand to eight, then you're taking in some two-loss teams that had quality losses, mm -hmm. and in, in an eight-team playoff, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to do it with four, I think they got it right. I think they year. got it absolutely right. I totally concur. It was a great – and the last couple of weekends of the football season were just – I mean, people were just glued to their TV sets for the games. The games, the, the, the you know, I mean, I had – people texting me from cutters when I was down at PCB on the Notre Dame Stanford game. I mean, people were texting me from all over the country. That was a huge game. Last game of the season. I mean, it's, it, it is, I think it is what the NCAA hopes. Now we'll see if they end up. Well, let's don't forget that there's still one more big football game to be played in the regular season. And it's a classic. And let me tell you something. If you want to see football played the right way, no showboating, no in your face, no anything. You've got to be talking about the Army-Navy Army game. Army-Navy game is going to be played in Philadelphia as it's been played uh, for the last several years there. Um, they're playing it. I, I don't know what the corporate name of the Eagle Stadium is, but they're going to play it there. Packed house every year. 
great football. Most of those seniors will never play another down of football again right. in their life. In fact, the vast majority of them won't. But they'll They're, be defending our country. They will be, and uh, it's a great way to showcase. I, I, I really like the fact that they wait and play this after the yes. uh, the conference championships yes. so that all the focus can be on that game. And you know what's really neat? I watch, I watch it every year, but last year it really struck me because they were hitting each other as hard as you're going to hit in football, but they were picking each other up off the field. They were walking the ball over to the official. There was none of this crap that goes on in college ball and even more so in the pros. The trash talking didn't exist. If it did, it was very, very low key. I mean, it was just, it was the way college football, it's a great way to end the season on the highest note possible with the very best of the best representing our military, our country, and football as a whole. And Navy um, had a very good year this year. They're going to a bowl, but I think this is probably for them is much, much bigger than their bowl oh, game sure. for the opportunity to beat Army. Oh, and, yeah. and, and, and don't don't look at that 22-point spread and think that Navy's just going to walk away with it like that. I, if, if I were a betting man and I had to bet on that, I'd I would take definitely take, I would take Army plus 22. I think it's going to be a much closer game than people think. Navy's a good team this year. They, we had to play, we play them every year. But anyway, that wraps it up for another exciting week of What's Your Point. I'm your host, Kevin Jenkins, my co-host, Mark Anthony, the Greek, Fredo, and Eric the Rhino is somewhere in the great skies, somewhere across this fruited plain trying to get his status diamond status yes anyway thank you very much we always like to end on a positive note we'd like to thank and give a special prayer out to our troops and our first responders for they are the reasons we enjoy the freedoms we have today the price of freedom is never, never free. free god bless y'all god bless america and god willing we'll talk to you next week right here at cutter cigar emporium from three to five eastern standard time what's your point baby